I am Wesley Payton with TP Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas wheat producers continue to struggle, but it's not all because of the drought. Yes, the drought has played a big role in the poor condition of our wheat crop this year, but in some cases, some Texas wheat farmers have dealt with too much moisture. We'll have that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As cattle feeders in the Texas High Plains try to keep their profit margins healthy, higher feeder cattle prices are not the only challenge. Corn prices remain above average also. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Use of less water and less fertilizers by corn farmers. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report on sustainability practices on farms just ahead on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. is taking a next step in its trade dispute with Mexico over bioengineered corn. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest Texas wheat crop condition ratings are the same as we've been seeing in the last few weeks. This week's condition report shows 17% of the wheat crop rated good to excellent, 33% fair, and 50%, one half of the wheat crop, still rated poor to very poor. We've talked so much about the drought's impact this year on the wheat crop that it's easy to think the entire state has been affected by it. But there are some areas of Texas where the drought hasn't been an issue. Up in northeast Texas, farmers there have had the opposite problem. Ben Schultz farms in Levon, northeast of Dallas. Last October, at the end of October, when we were about to start planting wheat, it started raining. And, and the last time we had any kind of decent drought period was a brief period in January that everybody seemed to get kind of caught up with some field work during that time. But very, very little wheat got planted, I'm going to say, north of I-20 or east of I-35. And it was so wet last fall that he didn't get one single seed planted. What happens with us in the heavy black clay soils, it takes like a week or 10-day period of sunny weather, maybe some warm-up like during the winter months, to get surface dried out enough to where you could do some field activities. We just didn't experience that during that window of time to plant wheat. There would be enough either two or three-tenth showers come across to keep the surface muddy, wet, and sticky to where we just couldn't get the equipment to go. 
Schultz estimates that only 5 to 10 percent of intended acreage in his area got planted last fall. In the northern Texas panhandle, Robert Gordon continues to fight the drought. Most of his wheat is irrigated, but it has been a struggle to keep it going. Our wheat crop is not very good. We've pumped more water this winter than I've ever pumped in the winter for a marginal crop, but we're just trying to keep it where, you know, the soil don't blow plumb away, and it's been a tough year. The expectations for this wheat crop are low, but Gordon says a lot can happen between now and harvest. It's hard to say on wheat. Wheat's a funny crop, but it seems like if we don't get a snow cover on it for, you know, any, a decent amount of snow on wheat, we have a hard time raising really good wheat. If we get some snow on it, wheat will shock you. You know, last year our yields were way down. We didn't have any snow cover, and it was dry, and, uh, you know, our yields were probably, oh, 50 to 60 percent of normal, and, uh it's not looking very good this year, but a lot of things can change between now and, and June, July. Robert Gordon of Dalhart. Higher feeder cattle prices are creating headaches for Texas cattle feeders, but James Hunt tells us feeder cattle aren't the only issue. Corn prices are a problem as well. Yesterday, we talked about the pressure local feed yards are under as feeder cattle prices are running much higher than a year ago. Today, we talk about the other major input cost for feed yard operators, corn. There, the price is down compared to periods last year when corn was costing about $8 a bushel. But Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says, from a historical perspective, corn prices remain fairly high. The experts will tell you that they're thinking that corn prices on average for this year is going to be somewhere in the upper fives and mid sixes as we go throughout the cycle. And so really, if you look at the overall, how high we have seen corn prices, upper fives and mid sixes is probably higher than the average because for many, many years we were seeing corn in the threes and fours and it seemed to be pretty consistently in the threes and fours. Miller and I also talked about a trend we're seeing in Texas High Plains agriculture. Many corn farmers are shifting production away from grain and over to silage. There's a big demand for silage from dairies, but feed yards still want grain. If less local corn is now going to grain, that could drive up prices for local corn grain. Miller, however, doesn't see that being much of an issue, since the reality is most of the corn used by our local feed yards actually comes from other parts of the country like the Corn Belt states. 85% of the corn is railed in from some other location and about 15% roughly, and I'm giving you some rough numbers because they change all the time and change every year. So about 15% of the corn supply needed in the beef feedlots are locally grown. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn farmers are making big gains on the sustainability front. Tom Nicoletti visits with the president of the National Corn Growers Association for an update. My guest today is Tom Haig. He is president of the National Corn Growers Association. He is a corn farmer from Minnesota. And Tom, uh, some sustainability initiatives that uh, corn farmers across Texas and other corn growing regions of the country uh, would like to know about. What are you folks working on there? That word sustainability, it, it, it's amazing because if you come up to an average farmer to ask him what is sustainability, 
I can't hardly even answer that because we're doing more things on our farms every day that we're realizing it's not sustainable, but it is. You know, and that's the biggest thing is that 35 years ago, if we were to farm like that, we would not be farming today. We have to update with the, the use of different tillage tools that we use now. The crops are different. The seed is much better than it was. So we're not uh, having to work that field as often. So we're, we're taking better care, we feel, of the ground right now than what we have in the, the past 10 to 15 years, that's how much more we have improved. You know, that the corn growers, uh, it all of a sudden it, it came up to our attention that uh, we've got to get in front of this. So we started a group, a sustainability group, and they put ideas out there and then facts out there for our corn farmers to, to follow. And, you know, we're using less water to get to a, a bushel of corn. We're using less fertilizers but yet we're still growing a good crop so if we can show that how sustainability is from corn that's going to help our people that use corn that much more because they'll have be that much easier to for their sustainability goals to meet also that is tom Haig. he is president of the national corn growers association i'm tom nicoletti with the texas farm bureau radio network The U.S. is stepping up efforts to deal with the Mexican ban on biotech corn. Gary Joyner has the story. The Office of the U.S. Trade Representative is taking steps towards a formal trade dispute with Mexico over its ban on bioengineered corn. The office has announced consultations with Mexico under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement. The announcement says that Mexico, with its policies, is violating the Sanitary and Phytosanitary Measures Chapter of the USMCA. The two governments will now begin formal consultations to resolve the issue. If there is no resolution, the U.S. can call for a dispute panel to decide the issues. Mexican decrees, the latest in February, say that U.S. white corn produced with biotechnology will not be imported. Yellow corn produced with biotechnology can continue to be imported while Mexico looks for alternatives. The U.S. exported 13.8 million tons of yellow corn and 1.6 million tons of white corn to Mexico in 2022. This is the largest foreign markets for U.S. corn. Almost all of it was grown from genetically engineered seeds. Mexico's decrees on this issue are not grounded in science, which is the foundation of USMCA. Mexican officials must be held accountable for the commitments they made under the trade agreement. There must be fair access to markets for America's growers. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Texas birders have the unique opportunity to see species like the golden-cheeked warbler and black-capped vireo. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And foaling season is underway in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Foaling season is underway here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd says you may come across a case of foal rejection from time to time. We are now in foaling season in Texas, and hopefully you will not have to deal with foal rejection on your farm. However, this can be a serious issue if the foal is unable to get the first milk or colostrum that contains all the antibodies to fight off disease. Also, researchers have shown that nearly 20% of rejected foals have been injured or killed by their dam. The mare-fold bonding begins during the birthing process. The mare then directs her attention to the foal by nuzzling, licking, and allowing nursing. Dr. Tibbery indicates it is normal for the mare to step away from the foal while it seeks the udder as long as there is no kicking or biting by the mare. Sometimes mares will walk away while the foal is nursing, and this is normal. The aggression toward the foal usually begins when the foal is suckling, especially if aggressive or if the foal bumps the udder, which stimulates the sympathetic nervous system in aggressive mares and can even decrease milk production. Most foal rejection cases occur in the first 24 hours after birth, but can occur months later. There are stages of rejection as some mares will just avoid the foal, while others attempt to injure and even kill the foal. We don't really understand the causes of foal rejection, but some breeds, like Arabians and maiden mares, are more likely to reject their foals. Painful conditions or illness of the mare or foal can increase the chance of foal rejection. It is critical in all instances, but especially in Arabian and maiden mares, to monitor these foals closely. It is interesting that 83% of all mares licked their foals, but only 38% of mares that rejected their foals licked them. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas birders have a unique opportunity to see several bird species. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. On our last show, we told you a bit about the birding event that allows birders and nature lovers the opportunity to see some of the unique bird species that call Texas home. Birding the Border, which will be held April 27th through the 30th, takes place each spring in Valverde and Kinney counties. The event allows people to travel through a wide variety of unique habitats in the Edwards Plateau, South Texas Plains, and the Chihuahuan Desert to find species like the black-capped vireo, golden-cheeked warbler, indigo and painted buntings, and more. Emily Grant, Birding with Extension Coordinator, joins us with more on the tours. We offer seven trips a day, and so that ranges from private ranches to behind-the-scenes look at the Devil's River State Natural Area, I'm in everywhere in between. And then we also have our beginner track and our photography-focused track. So our photography-focused track, unfortunately, filled within 24 hours, so all of your listeners can't necessarily hop on that. But we have some great guides who are also photographers, so if any of your listeners are interested in wildlife photography, We have some great guides who specialize in photography that aren't necessarily on our photography track, but would be more than happy to assist anybody with their pictures. We have a beginner track that offers the opportunity to work with a beginner guide, kind of go to a slower pace for anyone who's just starting out in their birding career. And then lastly, we have seven regular trips a day. And those participants can choose to go on one of those trips each morning. And then we have afternoon educational seminars and trips and then a variety of social evening activities. The deadline to register is April 14th. You can register at wildlife.tamu.edu. That is wildlife.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
Another down day for cattle and cotton. We'll check out all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures dropped for the third day in a row on Wednesday. It has been a rough week for the cattle complex. Live cattle dropping $1.50 on the April contract, $161.55. June down $1.17 at $156.57. August live cattle down $1.22 at $156.35. The lower futures trade this week may be one factor that we're seeing weakness in the cash fed cattle market. We've seen some light sales up north in Nebraska for 164 this week. That's a buck cheaper than the previous week. Also, some sales reported here in the south at 164. Again, that's a buck lower compared to last week. Feeder cattle futures getting hit hard with March feeders dropping a dollar 72, 188.20. April feeders down 250, 193.25. May feeder cattle down 250 at 198.80. Boxed beef lower Wednesday choice down 88 cents, 285.03. Select down a dollar five at 273.51. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble, Granny Marble's good-looking grandson. This is Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Benny Cox and crew, producers in Cargill, San Angelo, are going to have a big breeding sheep and goat sale come Saturday of this week. Benny, what's folks going to see? I've got over 1,400 hair females. Most of them are well-grown-out yearlings. There's going to be some pairs in there. Uh, there's uh, one group of 350 head. Uh, he cut off 120 lambs. He's He's got a bunch of wheat fields and all that stuff. He uh, cut off about 120 down six weeks ago. I don't know how many have, have uh, you know, been born since then, but he's got the ability. He'll have out those big fields and go out there and gather, you know, a group. And so he'll cut those groups down into smaller uh, bunches. I don't know how small they'll be. Then we've got one other consignment that's 95 out of use. They're from Yearlings up to coming four-year-olds that's the oldest sheep in there and uh he's going to go take the dries out so will there be 50 pairs or 70 pairs in those and that deal but a bunch of those uh yearlings like say well grown out yearlings that have had bucks with them that you know actually some of them be lambing now they probably keep the ones that are just lambed at home and, and so there'll be a bunch of heavy breads in there we do have a few uh sure enough just lamb you know and i, I feel like all those are going to weigh 70 plus so you can start breeding on those anytime you want to we've got lots of hair bucks and a good many uh, uh billies we've got over seven nanny goats consigned and that's the same deal there's a few that are sure enough just kids in there but most of them are yearlings that are bred to start uh kid nanny type good deal benny tell everybody how to get a hold of you they call me on my mobile is 325-234-4277 the office is the same area code 653-3371 or they can always look at the web which is producers and i will mention one other thing that that 
they sell we're having Saturday we've closed consignment so if they've got anything to consign don't call me uh just show up on a Tuesday and we'll sell them for you all right good deal Benny thank you a bunch all right well neighbor there's your livestock auction report we'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower on Wednesday. April hogs down a dollar sixty-five, eighty-three seventy-five. May hogs dropped two thirty-seven, ninety-one thirty-two. Class three milk was slightly higher. March milk up nine cents, eighteen oh four a hundred weight. The April contract up six at eighteen fifty-nine a hundred. The cotton market got hit hard on Wednesday. Trouble in the financial markets pressuring cotton prices. News that another bank is having trouble rattled the financial markets. We had a sharply lowered Dow and a jump in the dollar. All of that weighing heavily on cotton prices Wednesday. May cotton dropped 226 points, 79.11. July cotton down 212 at 79.81. The December down 171 points at 80.95. The corn market was mixed. News of another sale to China helped to support the old crop contracts. USDA reporting 26.3 million bushels sold to China. That brings the two-day total to 50.4 million bushels. That helped out the May contract. It was up five and three quarters, 6.26 and a half. July corn up two and a half at 6.12 and a quarter. New crop September corn down one and a half at 5.66. The wheat market managed to hold on to Tuesday's gains and add a little to it. July Kansas City wheat up another four and a quarter, closing at 809 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up six and a quarter at 713 a bushel. In the energy markets Wednesday, April natural gas down 12 cents, 244. April West Texas crude down 309 at 6824 a barrel. The financial markets lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 386 points at 31,769. The Nasdaq down 14, 11,413. The S&P down 36 at 3,882. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.